Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's get to our guest. Daniel Lamb joins us. He is head of equity strategy at Standard Chartered Wealth Management, joining us from our studios in Hong Kong. Daniel, thanks for being with us. Obviously, a lot of what is driving price action today, I mean, I think it's fair to say for many weeks now, has been the anxiety around the inflation narrative. Super hot, a struggle for the Fed to get it under control. And now we seem to be seeing a little bit of a crack in the narrative here. Would you go so far as to say we are near peak inflation? Yes, that's basically what we are thinking as a house, because of a few factors, okay? So first of all, the energy and the commodities um, side, they have been coming off. That's a major um, source of inflation, right? And also the other part of the supply chain disruption is also easing. So those two parts, I think, are easing. Um, Of course, you do have the labor cost and also the shelter cost uh, still very sticky, but at least it's moving towards, you know, a... um, less worrying direction in terms of inflation. When it comes to shelter costs, though, rents, I mean, people are locking in one, two-year leases at extraordinary high levels. At what point does this then really start to hurt the consumer and lead to more recessionary concerns? Well, I think one has to look at the asset prices and how much it has been pricing this potential recessionary Part in okay. So at one stage, I think U.S. equities were down more than twenty percent, and on average, if you look at the past recessions, they were down on average of about twenty-seven percent. So people were pricing that in. Uh, people, you know, obviously the S and P is now back up, you know, from twelve percent up from the from the bottom this year, and uh, people are getting less worried about that. Of course, you know, that's going to hurt the high rent. It's going to cause, you know, hurt consumption a little bit. But uh, other parts are improving. So, like I said, energy prices coming off. Um, that's a big part of it, right? Supply chain disruption. You know, U.S. earnings season has been has been relatively well, okay. And the concerns are not that big on that front anymore. I don't think. So, Daniel, look at the U.S. Treasury curve and make sense of it for me. And in in about uh, forty five seconds, what do you glean from it? Are, are we going to the because the bond market seems to be saying recession is is on the horizon? 
Yes, and that's the reason why we have a barbell approach, right? At this moment in time, you know, there are hopes that growth is going to continue, but then there are concerns that the Fed is, Fed is going to hike so much to choke growth. So our recommendation is that if your U.S. 10-year goes to about 3 to 3.25, one should be rotating some of the equities um, gains from the rebound um, into fixed income. So you're saying short US dollar because inflation could be starting to come off, suggesting that perhaps the pace of the dollar's gains may have peaked. Where kind of do you see some possible opportunity in EM on the back of that call? Well, basically, I think, um, you know, the dollar, like you said, um, inflation seems to be, you know, um, heading, you know, capping out. Um, so in terms of the Fed rate hike, probably going to slow a bit. Uh, in terms of the um, EM FX space, um, you know, at the at this moment in time, we do see you know attractive pawns in uh, say the Korean won and uh, also in uh, the um, South Asian currencies, like for example the Malaysian ringgit. When you look at China right now and you consider the risks there, and there are many, uh, principally two, uh, COVID zero policy that remains in place and the struggle that the government has had to try to uh, self correct. Maybe that's the, not the best way to put it, but certainly to righten uh, the property market. I mean, are, are you tempted to put money to work in China? Okay, there are a few points. So right now, of course, global liquidity is getting tighter. And you do see the phenomena of money rotating from one region to another. So, for example, Hang Seng Index dropped from 22,500 to you know, below or around 20,000 right now, right? And meanwhile, the S&P went up from 37 to 42. Okay, so money does rotate around, and it does run ahead of the inflationary data, if you think about it, right? U.S. inflation data capping out, and U.S. markets already up, you know, 12 and 13. Meanwhile, the other thing is happening in China, while, while the PBOC officials are getting worried about inflation. So the market was coming off already ahead of that. So does that mean that, you know, things are getting priced in before? I do believe so, right? So actually, it is not a bad opportunity to be involved in Chinese equities right now. Um, mm. In terms of bond market, um, there are a number of very um, relatively good quality uh, companies um, that bonds are trading at very distressed levels. And that is talking about like 30 or 40 on, on par, meaning that you, know, you get paid 100 if they, if they pay everything back, right, when they mature. So that is, you know, grabbing people's attention. Um, does that mean that they will be able to pay? Hard to tell. But it does mean that a lot of investors are pricing a lot of the negativity in the asset prices already. I just wanted to get back to your call on Chinese equities. Are you looking across all sectors? I know you're looking at that self-sufficiency, I'm guessing, the, the kind of green mm-hmm. theme too. But what about when you look at, say, the tech players? Well, the tech players, I think, you know, if anything, you know, the reason events geopolitical events is prompting the Chinese government to accelerate on the self-sufficiency drive, right? So if you look at what um, SMIC said, you know, they are already uh, catching up on, they're already able to produce a seven nanometer semicon. And while that's still lagging behind TSMC, it does show that, you know, the self-sufficiency is in, is in full swing and it's probably going to get um, more momentum after what's been happening. So self-sufficiency in tech, and also in terms of self-generating growth in China. That will be encouraged. Mm, That's an interesting point, and it helps us to transition to U.S.-China relations because as a part of the CHIPS Act that uh, President Biden signed this week, there are restrictions on sharing certain technology with China. 
How do you see the relationship right now between the U.S. and China? Much worse, and it, it, could it get even uh, worse, more, uh, much worse from where we are now? Well, I think that midterms is coming up, so that's a major consideration. A lot of these is about the midterms, where you know the the parties cannot be seen as being soft on China. Okay, so you will be able to, you will be listening, you will be seeing to this rhetorics, you know, over the next few months.、Um, but you know, like I said, you know, a lot of this has been getting priced in, and this self-sufficiency theme, I think, is, you know, likely to be、um, Chinese government's focus because of all these. When we look at Hong Kong, where you are, the Bloomberg survey suggesting that the city's economy may not expand at all in 2022. We're seeing this exodus from Hong Kong under the COVID policy. What kind of threat to Hong Kong's financial hub here, and how does that kind of adjust how you might deploy capital to Hong Kong equities? Well, if you look at the、um, quarantine rules in Hong Kong, you know we, you know, of course, is tighter than the than the West. But you have seen the relaxation that has come in、um, from seven days of quarantine from incoming travelers to three days in a hotel, right? So that is basically, I think, is moving, you know, towards more relaxation. And、uh, the government, you know, has signaled that there's potentially more to come.、Um, so you know, there are there are moves, you know, that are addressing the concerns here. You use the term self-sufficiency when you're talking about China, and to go back to the U.S. relationship, I'm wondering whether or not that's another way of saying that you expect a, a some more decoupling. Is is that a fair statement? Well, it's hard to say. But then, if you look at what I was talking about in terms of financial markets,、um, we are seeing decoupling, right? Because you know, previously,、um, say, you know, back in the mid, you know, of the of of the last. Decade, for example, right until like maybe twenty、um, twenty, you do see that equities market globally they move together, right? They move higher. Every everybody moves higher. It's just the degree of outperformance that is the difference, right? But clearly, this year you are seeing a lot of times when you know U.S. goes up, China doesn't go up, or it goes down, or vice versa, right? So back in January and February. When the U.S. was signaling、um, inflationary fears,、uh, the Chinese market outperformed. They actually went up in absolute terms,、um, and then flip around, then flip around a few times, right? So, yeah, in terms of financial market, we are seeing, you know, this kind of decoupling, and we will be seeing more of those as liquidity gets tight, tighter. I wanted to get a broad kind of macro view from you. This is something that we're following here at Bloomberg from a lot of our guests that we're talking to about whether or not the sixty forty portfolio is dead and and what could replace it. So over the next six months, whether you think、uh, the correlation between fixed income and equities is going to be positive or negative? Oh, I don't think it's dead. I mean, it's dead for a short period of time, but it's not a full death, right? If you look at eighteen,、uh, the data from eighteen seventy two to now. Um, there were only four years when stocks and bonds were both down. I mean, this including this year, right? It's actually quite rare. And the reason why that is so rare is because you know there is basically a big regime shift, right? We're seeing some of the biggest hikes that we've seen in history, right, over a very short period of time. But you know, like we said earlier in the show,、um, inflation seems to be capping out. So things are. 
you know, normalized thing, mm -hmm. right, in terms of the rate hike cycle. We had a story, and, I'm, I'm sorry, yes. Daniel, but I want to get you, in the limited time that we have left, mm -hmm. uh, we had a story on the Bloomberg Terminal earlier in the week about the top auditor in China conducting a review of the trust industry. And I think the central theme here is on potential risk, systemic risk that the shadow banking sector may represent to uh, the overall financial system in, in China. Is that something that you're concerned about? Are you keeping a close eye on what's happening with shadow banking? Well, the, like we said, in terms of the you know, property um, side of things, right, which is, of course, affecting the banking sector, you know, it is not a short-term, you know, it cannot be so solved in the short-term. Right? That's why the bonds are trading at such distress level. So if you think about it, you know, this is you know, part of the consequence. And the government is addressing that. You can see that a lot of the fiscal stimulus has gone to, say, the local government um, to make up for the lost revenue. Yeah. So we believe that the government is probably going to be you know, supporting that side of things. Mm -hmm. Daniel, yeah. thanks for coming into our Hong Kong studio. Great to have your insights. Daniel Lam is Head of Equity Strategy at Standard Chartered Wealth Management. Success. It's discipline. It's teamwork. It's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing global wealth management and investment banking firms in the industry. Stiefel. It's where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.